Good afternoon, guys. It is, uh, what's today? Tuesday, the 8th of February. Welcome to Ask J Live, episode number 14. Guys, we're going to talk about the three asset classes that the wealthy use to build generational wealth. Now, if you didn't listen to uh, yesterday's Black Entrepreneur Blueprint podcast, episode number 395, make sure you tune into that. Uh, when you get a chance, because I was really starting to break down uh, building wealth, generational wealth for your last name, not other people's last names. And I'm going to piggyback on yesterday's podcast real quick. And one of the things that I started off with yesterday is I started naming off um, brand names that you probably heard of Gucci, Versace, Prada, Ford, DuPont. Uh, Campbell, such as in Campbell Soup, and all your other designer brand names out there. Adidas, actually, I forgot the guy's first name, but that's named after the founder. And so one of the things that I talked about on yesterday's Black Entrepreneur Blueprint Podcast 395 was that we're always building other people's legacies and generational wealth. And so one of the things that we need to start focusing on is building our own generational wealth. And normally the three asset classes that these founders use or or families that have generational wealth are securities, which are stocks and bonds, uh, also business ownership, and last and not least, real estate. And I'm going to talk about real estate last because there's a whole bunch of components to that. Um, once I get finished, guys, if you want to speak, just hit the phone icon on the bottom right to join the caller queue and hit the mic to unmute yourself to speak. Um, once I get finished talking about this just a little bit, then we'll open it up. And I'd love to hear you guys' comments on generational wealth, uh, any questions you have uh, about generational wealth in general, your business, my business, or entrepreneurship in general. So um, one of the first things when I was doing research on the episode, which basically is piggybacking off of yesterday's BEB episode, is I started looking at all of these last names and the generational wealth. One of the statistics showed that in Fortune 500 companies, 40% of those companies were started by immigrants, meaning that a lot of times when people came or come to the United States, unless they're highly educated in the U.S. educational system, most times their options for employment are very limited. So many times we start businesses and we see that um, you can look at all types of different ethnicities that come over. Um, you know, Koreans in Philadelphia is a section in a, a Philly called Omni. And it's a lot of Cambodians. You have Koreans. And a lot of times they'll start off with small businesses and they'll continue to build those and they'll hand those down to their children. And you have other ethnicities that do the same thing. And so I think one thing that that other ethnicities really focus on is actually business building or building businesses because they understand that's a way that they can not only just level the playing field, they can take a lead in the game because nobody can cap your income if you have your own business. Now, obviously, depending upon the vertical that you're in, you know, the type of business that you're in, the resources that you have, it's going to make a difference on how much money you can make. But really, it's, it's, it's wide open. It's the wild, wild west. So, Excuse me, guys. So one of the things I want to talk about are the three asset classes that most uh, companies or people that have generational wealth focus on. So number one, securities, which are stocks, bonds, mutual funds. Uh, I don't think crypto and NFT uh, fall into securities, um, but that's something obviously an investment. So with stocks and bonds, a lot of times our only uh, interaction with that maybe through your 401k or your retirement plan. But one of the things I will say to entrepreneurs, have a self-directed IRA. You know, as I continue to get older, uh, I talk to some of my entrepreneur friends and yes, they may have real estate or properties or businesses that are spinning off money, but it's always nice to have uh, security, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, uh, other type of securities to, to also leverage also. So that way, you know, if your real estate goes down, the market goes down, you still have some stocks, bonds, uh, mutual funds, annuities or whatever. Um, I'm actually going to have on, <coughs> excuse me, guys, I'm dealing with a cold. I'm actually going to have on uh, within the next couple of weeks, 
uh, another financial advisor that's going to start talk about legacy planning. A lot of times we don't think about the next generation. All we think about right now is just us because, you know, we're trying to maintain. Hold on one second, guys. Let me grab some water. All right. Thank you. Um, so that's some of the things that we're going to need to focus on legacy planning. You know, um, if you're married or you got a partner or you have children, it's imperative that you have a will, <coughs> excuse me, and you have some type of financial legacy planning. So you make sure that when you die or your spouse or partner dies, the last one that dies, that that money doesn't go into probate. And a lot of times, um, company, not companies, but families can lose up to 50% of their assets if there's no will involved because lack of probate. So now your assets have to go to the court. Somebody's going to have to administer that and then their taxes and fees for all of that stuff. So I'm getting off the, the, the topic for a second, but I wanted to mention that because many times when people die or pass on, they may have securities. They may have a 401k. They may have a pension. So definitely as entrepreneurs, uh, we want to make sure that we do have some securities in our portfolio. And nowadays we have apps out there where we can buy fractional shares like acorns and all kinds of stuff, fractional shares of stocks and bonds. And so one of the things I always talk about is, you know, instead of, of, of wearing Nike, buy fractional shares of Nike sneakers. Some of the things that you're familiar with, <coughs> excuse me, if you like to eat at McDonald's, right, which I can't stand, buy McDonald's stock. But start thinking about things that you use every day and think of a long-term perspective when it comes to being able to building generational wealth. You know, one thing that my kids, is funny, they ask me all the time, and I don't give them a straight answer, but Hey, Dad, uh, when something happens to you and Mom, are we going to be okay? Well, first of all, you're going to be all right because you're adults anyway. So don't be banking on Mom and Dad's money. But, yes, we're going to leave you in, in a good situation, you know, uh, unless something catastrophic happens. So uh, with our, our real estate, our investments, and then um, this comes down to generational wealth. So by no means uh, have my parents or my wife's parents, they're not multimillionaires, but they've done very well and uh, they've planned. So when they pass on, we're going to inherit wealth from my in-laws and also from my mother. And once again, that's just going to increase our generational wealth. And then when my wife and I transition, you know, that'll go to my girls. So these are some of the things that we have to focus on. So security, stocks and bonds. And if you're not familiar with how to, you know, buy stocks and bonds, it's very simple. Like I said, you can use some of these apps that take your uh, the dollars from your purchases and then you can allot them. I know Acorns and there are a couple other out there, uh, a couple other apps that do that. Or you can go to places like Fidelity. Uh, you can go to Charles Schwab and you can start just buying stocks and playing around with it right online. Nothing crazy, but if you don't understand the game, there's so much information out there for you. All right, so we're talking about... Uh, Three things, basically, three asset classes that the wealthy use to build generational wealth. Business ownership, number two. Pretty much anybody that listens to Black Entrepreneur Blueprint is, is a business owner or looking to be a business owner. So we know what that means. Uh, in terms of being able to pass down businesses and create wealth with your business, one thing I always talk about <coughs> excuse me, is setting up your business correctly. A lot of times we'll have or do business and we won't have things in order. We won't have our LLC in order or whatever type of corporate structure that we have. We won't have that in order. Our books will be jacked up. If something happened to you today and your wife or husband has to take over the business, they probably wouldn't know what the hell to do. Procedures, operations. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, with my wife, she she understands what I do, but she really doesn't have a handle on everything that goes into my business. So what I had to do was I literally wrote down everything that she needs to do in case something happens to me, you know, and being able to liquidate and sell my businesses. Uh, so I always keep my books up to date. Uh, my CPA, she, she knows him. He's a family friend. So he has all my documentation also. Once again, we have a safe and a lockbox where all our documentation is in. And so sometimes when, you know, we know we're not going to live forever, 
but we have to prepare for that transition when somebody else has to take over our business or sell or liquidate our business. And if your spouse or partner doesn't know what the hell is going on, where to find the documentation, you're going to be in trouble or they're going to be in trouble. And you never want to, to leave, you know, your, your loved ones in that type of situation. So um, make sure guys, all your stuff is documented. And in case something happens to you, make sure you let somebody know, Hey, this is, this is what you need to do to liquidate or to sell or whatever, but you need to have that in place. And so as we talk about generational wealth and business ownership, um, if you look at all of the wealthy families and the generational wealth out there, uh, like I'll just use DuPont cause they're, they're pretty local. So DuPont started out selling gunpowder to the French and the Americans. They were selling to both sides during that conflict. Then they started making other textiles and other things. So when you talk about business and entrepreneurship, you never actually know where your business is going to take you and what other ancillary type of businesses you can create all create off of your main business. So um, a lot of times when you look at the the uh, initial business that companies start, they morph and they change. And so, like I said, DuPont has I can't even remember how many patents they have. I think they have over like. Third, uh, hundred uh, over a thousand patents, and uh, it's just crazy what they morphed into. Somebody started selling gunpowder, and that became a Fortune 500 company. And so, when we start these businesses, a lot of us may be solopreneurs, and we're going through and we're thinking, "Man, this is you know, it's going to be a nice little one man, one woman shop, nice little side hustle, or whatever." But you never know what your business can turn into, so just be prepared. When it comes to bookkeeping, I just want to say this, guys. Um, I use QuickBooks, which uh, automates with your bank accounts. So when it's time to have your taxes done. So all I do is I, I download the latest statements and all of that for my CPA. You know, send them over to him. Profit and law statement. You know, uh, everything that he needs. Everything is coded so that I know to the penny what I spend on uh, websites. I know to the penny what I spend on marketing. I know to the penny what I spend on all promotion or, or Facebook or whatever. So those are the type of things that we need to be astute with when we're in business. It's not just about starting a business and running a business. It's about creating the foundation for successful businesses. And that's, that's common amongst all of these people that create generational wealth. They're not out there half-assing it they're out there and they're creating businesses and even if your business is a small business it's not necessarily always going to be small so make sure that you have everything in order do you have a succession plan if not then uh how does your your wife like for me for example my wife knows if something happens who to call to sell whatever she needs to sell because she's not in the day-to-day of the business but she knows who to contact. So my CPA is one of my best friends. He has all of my financial information and we've sat down and talked about that. So don't short yourself when you're starting your business. And I know, you know, some people are at the stage of their business where it's new, it's in this embryonic stage, but the better you set up your business, the the better it's going to be as you go along. Don't, don't slip. I'm telling y'all don't sleep on QuickBooks. You can use another software if you want, where tax time is coming up now, and I know cats going in their shoe boxes looking for receipts. That's not efficient use of your time. So make sure that you leverage technology. So in terms also of business ownership, guys, um, one of the things that we have to look at, too, is profitability of your business. Sometimes we create businesses that we love, but they actually may not be profitable, and we may need to switch to something else. So what you'll notice with a lot of the Fortune 500 companies and a lot of uh, people that have generational wealth, they'll, they'll have multiple businesses, but they don't start them all at the same time. Most time what happens, as I mentioned, they'll splinter off from a current business. So when I had my mortgage business, I created a, a, a credit repair company just because it was, a, it was aligned to what I was doing. You know, then I started thinking about buying. I was in the process of buying a Remax real estate company because that was aligned with what I was trying to buy. So I started looking at my um, some of my income from last year and I started looking at, man, where's my income coming from? And because I have three different entities 
And in those three different entities, I have different businesses. So my NX level marketing is pretty much a catch all. But that's usually like my BEB stuff and all of that. My publishing and all of my stuff with, with publishing and, and advertising is, is with J2 Media. And my product brands is with legacy brands. So under those three LLCs, I have several different businesses under each LLC. But everything is in order where if revenue is coming in from uh, my book, A New Black Wall Street, then my CPA understands, all right, those are sales from A New Black Wall Street that are going to J2 Media Group. You know, so if I have my online courses or physical products coming in under legacy brands, oh, these are the sales from Hell Yeah Hot Sauce. So everything is in order. And it took a while to get it in order. But the faster that you guys can do that, the better. And also, like I said, um, think about ancillary uh, income streams that you can play directly off of your main business. But first, make sure that your main business is providing you the income that you need before you start spreading yourself too thin. Um, the last asset class, and then we'll, we'll take questions, comments, or whatever, um, is real estate. And I wanted to leave this for last. So next week on Monday the 14th, I talked about it on yesterday's show. Um, I'm having Dedrick and Crystal Polite. <coughs> excuse me. They're on this new A&E show called 50-50 Flip. And uh, it's on uh, A&E. Two episodes are out right now. Great show. Uh, young brother and sister right outside of Durham, North Carolina. And their philosophy is they want to flip a house in 50 days with under $50,000 in repair costs. And uh, so they're doing tremendous business. In uh, less than four years, they have uh, amassed over $5 million in uh, a real estate portfolio in addition to flipping properties. So make sure you guys check out that episode uh, next Monday. It was a great interview with them. But, <clears throat> excuse me, as for real estate, you know, there's a couple different ways you can make money in real estate. Uh, the easy, not the easiest one, but the one that costs pretty much no money or, or the least amount of money is wholesale. And I used to wholesale real estate. And sometimes if I find a deal, I'll still do it. And wholesaling pretty much is finding a uh, a property that's undervalued. And I'll just give you an example. <coughs> Excuse me. I think the last one uh, property I did was about two years ago. I found um, somebody actually reached out to me. I don't know how they got actually because I used to be in the mortgage business. So they reached out to me about trying to sell this house that um, their, their mother used to live in. Their mom had passed away. So the house was um, it was jacked up because the mother never took care of it. And uh, I think I, I put it under contract for like eighty five, ninety thousand dollars um, The house was probably worth once it's fixed up close to two hundred. But it needed some work, probably needed about 25000 in repairs. So what I did is I got that house under contract. And the contract when you're wholesaling has to be specific, stating that within X amount of days, I'm going to buy your house for, um, I told them I was going to buy, I think, for $90,000. And it was free and clear. And so within that 30-day period, I had to find a buyer on the other end. So what I did is I reached out to a uh, a company that, that does a lot of fix and flips in my area and uh, they do rehabs and stuff like that. So now I had the contract uh, locked down with the seller, uh, the, the, the woman's daughter. And I had a sales price of, I'll just say 90, I think it was like 85 or 90. I'll just say 90,000. So now the property is worth 200,000, right? You probably need 20, 25 grand. in, so just say 120 grand just to be safe uh, is what it would cost um to fix it up if i was going to fix it up and then sell it but what i did is i took that contract for ninety thousand dollars and i assigned it or i sold it to the investor who was going to come in and fix it up for a hundred and fifteen thousand dollars so i actually made like 25 grand off of basically just being a middleman then once they got the contract they they went over there, they fixed it up, and then they ended up selling it, I think, for about 210 or whatever. But wholesaling is a way that you can get into real estate without owning the property or really having any money or any credit. Really, the only thing that you're doing is you're the middleman. So that's the easy way to do it. Um, there's a dude out there. I've been trying to get this brother on the show. 
If you want to learn more, the brother's called uh, The Flip Man, F-L-I-P-M-A-N, The Flip Man. He's on social media, Facebook, whatever. So brother out, I think he's out of Texas, and we've been playing phone tag because I've been trying to get him on the show. But The Flip Man is a, is a good brother. A lot of YouTube videos you can watch on wholesaling. The other way to make money, obviously, in real estate is flipping. I just talked about, um, you know, the A&E show, 50-50 flip, buying it, fixing it up and then flipping the property. Uh, if you got good credit, it's a lot easier um, because you can you can get money for a down payment. You know, uh, you can get a loan for that. You can get a loan to fix it up and then you just got to carry it until you flip it. All right. So I've done I can't even count how many of those I've done over the years. Haven't done one of those in about two years either, though. And then the last way is buy and hold. So if you want income, passive or semi-passive income, buying real estate properties, um, you know, putting tenants in there, single family, multifamily, even commercial properties, you can make a lot of money. Now, if you go to the commercial property way, which is something that I, I want to do, I haven't done it yet, but like these little strip malls or whatever, or strip shopping centers, they may have six, seven, eight different stores in there. A lot of leases on those locations are anywhere from five to 10 years. So if you can lock in tenants for that period of time, that's a great investment. Number one of these strip centers, most times they're, they're built out of block, cinder blocks or whatever, or poor concrete. And then the businesses that go in there are they're responsible for their own build out. So if you have a nail salon, that build out is going to be different than somebody that has a cell phone store or a pizza location. So really you're creating or buying the shell of the, the actual strip center. And you don't have to worry about improving the individual units because each business is going to have something specific that they need. So um, I know a dude whose dad owns my guy. I think this guy, his last name is Gordy. He probably owns about 20 to 25 of these little strip shopping centers. And he you know, has tenants such as nail salons, pizza places, stuff like that. Nothing fancy. Multi, multi, multi millionaire. So real estate definitely is a great play. You get the benefit, especially if you're uh, holding and, uh, and buy and hold, you'll get the benefit, hopefully, over time of appreciation, equity buildup in your property. Um, I remember the first house that I bought, my wife and I bought together when we got married. Um, I bought it, this is years ago. I bought the house for $125,000. $125, Lived in the house for 10 years, then we got a new house built. We sold that house and literally um, we sold it for 250. So we actually doubled to actually 260. So we more than doubled our money in 10 years. And so if you think about, man, could I have, could I have saved $125,000 in 10 years? It's not a lot. It's only $12,500 a year, but a lot of times life gets in the way and you may not be able to save that money. So when you have that real estate, uh, you know, part uh, part of your uh, your income where your your uh, assets are real estate. All you're doing, I'm making money doing what I'm going to do anyway. I'm paying either I'm paying rent to somebody else or I'm paying rent for myself. So I'd rather pay rent for myself because now I'm the one that's gaining equity in the property. And so when we sold that, that was a nice chunk. And what I did was I didn't even use any of that for the new property. So we stuck that money up. And I use that to for to start another business and also to buy another property. And so I didn't just parlay that, even though you could do that. But I knew I was going to be in this house that I built for a while. And I've been in this house. Uh, we had this built in what, 05, 06. So I've been in here 15 years. So uh, real estate is definitely a good play, which obviously, just like any other investment, it's market risk. Uh, it's funny. I bought or uh, built this house in 06 which was at the top of the market. Um, so when I sold my house, that was great because it was at my old house. That was at the top of the market. But when I got this built, which was a simultaneous type thing, it was also at the top of the market. So it wasn't like I, I made, it was a big difference. If I would have sold high and bought low, if I would have bought this house and laid low for two years in 2008 and had this house built, I'd have been way up because that's when the crash happened. But uh, these are the assets and these are things that we need to think about as black folk, guys, as opposed to I was saying on the show yesterday, flashing cash. I mean, flashing dash. And really, you need that cash. 
It's all about what it is and not what it looks like. So unfortunately, many times, you know, I, I told the story on the show yesterday. I know a dude, his car costs more than his house. Come on, bro. You know, you, you buying your mom a 740 and her roof is leaking. It was back in the day a 740. Roof is leaking. That's not smart. Sometimes you're not ready for that type of purchase yet. And so I always say put things in order. When you Everybody likes good stuff. So when you have the cash, when you are able to do it, do it then. But the first thing you want to do is start building assets. And these assets hopefully can transition or turn into generational wealth. I know you want to look good. You don't want to drive up to the, you know, playing golf and you got a hoopty out there with smoke coming out the back and all your boys got got nice cars. I get that. But if you're not at that point yet, you're not at that point yet. So you have to embrace where you are and work from whatever situation you're in. The all the good stuff, the nice stuff can come later. And that's what smart people do. Other ethnicities do it all the time. They delay gratification until they get their paper up. I had one of my boys, one of my old roommates, we straight out of college, you know, we got our first jobs and stuff. He goes out and buys a BMW. This fool can't even pay for the tune-up. Ended up turning the car in in about a year. You're not ready yet. Get your assets up. Get your weight up. (laughs) And then you can start building generational wealth. We all like good things, you know, (laughs) me also. But I said on the show yesterday, I'm not a real big car guy. I, I buy nice cars, but I'll drive them for 10 years. I don't care. You know, I'm not going to switch cars every three or four years. I'm driving the car for 10 years to keep it maintained, looking good. All right, that's done. Then I'll go and get another car. To me, cars aren't assets. I'm not buying, you know, uh, all these cars and trying to sell them and all of that stuff. I'm just using it to get from point A to B. And my buddies always talk about, because I, I drive, um, I got Acura, MDX, uh, Volkswagen. My, my wife drives a Volkswagen. Um, and so I'm like, yeah, you know, yeah, I could buy Benz. I could buy, I, that don't really mean nothing to me, you know? So I just want something solid, something decent that's going to get me from A to B. Now, if I wanted to buy that type of stuff, I could. But to me, I don't see the value in it when I have other goals and, and, and aspirations to build generational wealth. Now, if I hit the lottery, you know, I, I might go ahead and do something. I might get me a, a Testarossa or something like that. But if, if that doesn't happen, I'm keep, keeping to the plan. So a lot of times we get the, you know, we put the cart before the horse and we want to look good before we actually fiscally good. And that's what other ethnicities don't do. You know, they don't, they don't have, they're not wearing their stuff on their back. They're not driving their, their wealth. Not, they don't have these big-ass dookie rope chains that they're wearing around their neck. They're not on Instagram with a stack of, stack of bills in their ear. They're looking at us like we're idiots. And the reason we've been doing this for so many years is because we've been so denigrated, we feel that we have to show everybody, hey, I've made it. And in real life, if you're doing that type of stuff, you ain't really making Because a lot of times it's just flash. What do you have in the bank? Instead of buying that, you know, I I see these rappers and athletes all the time. And I heard a couple couple brothers talking about it. Chad Johnson, former wide receiver, he was on an interview. He was like, yo, man, my stuff I buy is fake. He said, why am I going to go out there and buy a $100,000 chain that's really worth $20,000? He said, I buy costume jewelry, you know, and it's stuff like that where, you got in New York, I don't know if he's still around, Jacob the jeweler over there laughing at these fools that's coming in, buying these stupid ass chains that are absolutely worth nothing. Spending a hundred grand and they literally worth 15 grand to make. So everybody else, not everybody, but most other ethnicities understand generational wealth and building assets. And they're not out there flashing, you know, looking like nuts. And that's what we need to focus on. And anybody on who, who has children, <clears throat> we need to start teaching them that, you know, the three asset classes that the wealthy have are securities, business ownership and real estate. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. Let's start teaching our kids about this stuff. And the best way to teach them is to show them. I can show you better than I can tell you, you know, bring them into your business. Let them check it out. And I know a lot of times kids don't. Man, I ain't doing that. 
<clears throat> Dad, I ain't doing this stuff, man. I'm doing my own thing. Okay, that's cool. But still, you know, taking interest in what's going on because when something happens to Dad, guess what? This is yours. Either you can maximize it or you can sell it at, at a discount. You don't know what you're doing. You're going to sell it at a discount. You know, so these are some of the things that we need to do as black folk to be able to create generational wealth and put that same type of 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 urgency into our kids like other kids. So when Jewish kids hit 16, they had to bar mitzvah, right? When they get that money, which is usually a lot because the, the Jewish uh, people understand, hey, this is going to start these guys off. They're not giving them twenty five dollars. They're giving them a thousand dollars or whatever. They may come out of their bar mitzvah with fifty thousand, thirty thousand dollars. And guess what? They're not going out to the mall next week and buying a pair of J's. They're saving that money. They're investing that money and they're preparing for adulthood when they go out on their own. These are the customary things that most other ethnicities talk about. We get a tax return. And the first thing we do, and a lot of it is media and propaganda. Oh, we're going to go buy a car. We're going to go on on a vacation. And that's cool. But the thing is, can you use that money to create and build assets? Because if you use the money for other things, it's just going to stop there. So I always used to tell my wife, we get a chunk of money. Yeah, something, you know, it's good to pay down bills. You want to do that. You know, knock off credit cards. Nothing wrong with that. I'm all for that. Knock off your debt. But instead of taking money, a chunk of money and just paying off. Like if I can't pay off, uh, you know, a a big loan or something, I said, let's use the money to build assets. Let's use this to start a business. Let's use this to buy a property. Let's use this to do that because you want to build assets that are going to spin off and throw off revenue. And so you can actually, this is something my, my dad used to tell me. He said, man, a lot of times, um, and this he's old school, you know, when he was alive and he, he was in the real estate business. So when he bought real estate property, right, what he would do is he would buy two properties at a time. Right. So two rental properties at a time. So after a period of years and he would finance them after a period of years, when one of the properties got to the point where he could refinance or sell that, excuse me, not refinance, where he could sell that property and have enough money to pay off the other property, that's what he would do. Now, most pe- some people would say, hey, I keep two properties more leverage. My father's mindset was I'd rather have one free and clear property than two leverage properties. And he used to do that all the time. And what happened was the reason he did that was because he got into a jam one time and most of his, uh, not most, but it was, I, f- I forgot what year it was. I was, I was real young, but there was a financial crisis and a lot of people couldn't pay their rent. And so my dad got caught out there just like a lot of people in 2008 with all of these properties and no rent coming in. So when that happens, that means if you don't pay that rent, your credit is screwed. You may lose your properties. So he always bought two with the, with the idea of when one of them gets enough equity, I'm going to cash that out. And now I got a house free and clear. So if you're making, you know, fifteen hundred dollars on the house free and clear, you don't have to worry about nothing in terms if your tenant doesn't pay. And so that was his philosophy. But his, you know, not that everybody's going to take and do that, because if you have two properties, that means you're using leverage. He just was from that school where he didn't like to borrow money. He was old school. But. There's there's different ways to do things, but I always talk about stop taking your tax money and and paying down stuff when you can actually create an asset from it. Stop taking your tax money or a lump sum that you have and you know go buy a new car or whatever. That you need to put your money in something that's gonna make money. Feed the beast. Whatever's making you money right now, that's where you need to put your money. Feed the beast. Um, hey guys, I'm done. So if you guys want to speak, hit the phone icon on the bottom right, join the caller queue, and then hit the mic to unmute yourself. And we just having a conversation about generational wealth, what we need to do, the three asset classes. And uh, if you have any questions about entrepreneurship, feel free. So we're going to open up the floor. If anybody wants to say something, any comments, I'd love to hear what you guys think about building generational wealth and some of the things that you guys are doing or that you feel that you need to do. 
All right, we got anybody? All right, my man Frank. I'm gonna bring my man Frank up. All right, Frank, hit that unmute button, bro. Hey, how's it going, brother? I'm good, brother. How are you, man? Oh, pretty good, man. Good, good. What's shaking, bro? Oh man, uh, I listened to your show on the way to work yesterday, and yeah. it, it totally, it, it totally blew my mind. Okay, uh, I appreciate. Because, yeah, man, because uh, I think it was uh, about two days, uh, two days ago. Me and another uh, one of our coworkers, a sister, we was talking. You know, we have mm-hmm. a lady, her, her, uh, her dad, white, white lady, and um, her, her dad, uh, eighty nine, and he ain't mm-hmm. got much time. And she said, right. well, you know, um, you know, well, Sue, uh, she may not be working here long, you know, because, you know, she uh, her dad's uh, leaving her uh, uh, the, the property and, and the camp and the stuff mm-hmm. like that, you know, yeah. and uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, so you, if you look at 89 years uh, mm-hmm. you, and that's property that probably was passed down to him. So you're looking at yep. probably close to 100, 100 and some years. You know, mm-hmm. of of assets and, and stuff like that building. And, you know, I, I was telling her, I said, well, shucks, I said, well, my dad died. You know, uh, I got, he, 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 he handed me his wallet. Well, you know, I, <laughs> you know, I don't, I, you know, I'm old school cast. They had that, that, that thick ass wallet with, uh, yep. you know, <laughs> every, every business card. They, they ever, yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, four hundred, four hundred dollars, and and, and, and uh, you know, you had a, a old tin can of roll dollars and fifty cent. I tell you, that was four hundred dollars and fifty and and four hundred and forty nine dollars fifty cent more than I thought I was going to get. You know, uh, because you know, we the, he 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 never planned. I, I you know, he never right. taught, never taught nothing. You know, as yeah. far as uh, and a lot of cats from his generation, you know. Uh, that seventies yeah. and, and late sixties, you know, they, they was coming out that uh, that civil rights era, and yep. you know, blacks started doing good. And when they started doing good, it started flashing and showing, mm-hmm. you know, and they started buying up stuff. And yep. you know, um, and it kind of it, it kind of uh, just transitioned, you know. And like, like I said, it, it's you know, we never, uh, it, and it really it really put in my head because. You know, I never had a will made, but after that, mm-hmm. after, you know, after that was done, you know, uh, made sure I, I started putting some stuff in line and, and started yeah. thinking, you know, well, what 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 I need to do, you know, because you know these, mm-hmm. these them, them them folks, man, they they got their stuff lined up, you yeah. know, as and far insurance. as yeah. life insurance yeah. too, man, you yeah. gotta have yeah. that, you know. Shit, uh, uh, you're saying, yeah, shit. That, it, it's <laughs> funny, Frank. <laughs> Yeah, brother. I, I wanted to say this real quick. You talked about your dad, right? So yeah. my dad, um, he after he lost his businesses, um, and I mentioned this uh, the other day, he never got back yeah. on the horse. So he ended up doing menial jobs, and and his his one of his biggest regrets. He was like, "Man, I never got back on the horse." So yeah. um, after he liquidated everything, my you know my parents got divorced. He got remarried. His uh, you know his wife got his second wife kind of blew through everything so when my dad died <laughs> it yeah. cost me money right yeah, yeah. so <laughs> yeah, yeah. so yeah this yeah. is what my dad left right my dad <laughs> left he had two thousand dollars in the bank account and a and a freaking car right so <laughs> yeah. so i didn't need the car so i, I gave it because it's my brother my sister and i i uh-huh. took a grand my brother took a grand and i and my sister took the car right now, yeah, yeah. meanwhile, he ain't have no probate, so I did all the probate. The probate cost me a couple grand. I had to pay to bury him because his life insurance lapsed. That thing yeah. cost me, when he died, about 15, 20 grand, man. I'm like, come on, bro. So I told my mom. So my mom is, you know, yeah, my mom, is, she, she's good. Life insurance and, you know, she got assets and stuff. I was like, man, but that's what you don't want to do. No. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cost me money, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, and think about it, man. He, he, he was in the, he was in the office laughing. You know, I said, well, you know what? The motherfuckers did die. They, they, you know, they, they're sitting around wondering how they're going to divide up the, uh, you know, the assets. Yep. The, the, who's going to get the property? And we mm-hmm. sitting there thinking, man. Uh, now, you how are we going to pay for the funeral? Maybe we got to do a go you going to pay for this funeral? Yeah. yeah, sell some lunch, uh, sell some lunch plates, 
you know, and you know, <laughs> but you know, the, the, the thing about it is, you know, black folks don't 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 suffer from depression and nothing like that. But you know, what we do suffer from is depreciation. That's you, you know, ain't like. <laughs> you know. And Belvo, I'll be with you in a second, bro. Yeah, yeah. we got number the TVs and, the, and you yep. got the calls and we got the clothes, but yep. that the funeral home and and, and nothing, none of that. Can, you know, they don't take none of that. Man, you know? so, I'm telling you, but, brother. Yeah. But crazy, like I said, man. Yeah, but uh, like I say, man, you really opened my eyes. Uh, man, it, it, it was mind blowing. You know, I appreciate but, it, man. Uh, but yeah, yeah, brother. But that's all I got, man. Like okay, I say, man, man. Shit, I'm at, I'm at work. But I say, man, I'm, at, I'm I got a conference call. I, I, okay. I'll give you that <laughs> my man. All right, brother. I appreciate you, man. No problem, brother. All, all right, right, take care, Frank. All right, all right you too. Bye bye. <laughs> bye bye. Uh, I'll be pulling my man Belvin up here. What's All up, right. man? What's going on, brother? How are you? Man, stop speaking this truth to him, man. <laughs> hurting. Hey, man, truth to power, baby. Truth to power. Yeah, you, <laughs> so, you know, I, uh, I, I was dealing with it myself, man. Uh, I haven't, mm-hmm. thank goodness, I haven't had, you know, I still got both my parents. Mm-hmm. But when, um, you know, both, uh, some of them had, had some health issues. Right. When you have to start doing their financials to keep things afloat, that's when you learn, like, oh, shoot. Yep. Uh, so I got my dad on one of them colonials. Colonial pen? Uh, yeah. <laughs> At least give me 10 Gs, man. At least give me 10 Gs. Yeah, and, bro. And just, uh, shoot, you know, and just teaching them, man. Um, uh, I just wanted to give, you know, and, I, you know, I grew up, I never forget, man, when I was growing up. And, and spending some days over my grandma's house and this white man used to come to the porch uh-huh. and my grandma used to get some little money out of her bra and give it to him. I'm like, and then, you know, as I got older, I was like, who is that man? Right. I was like, she's like, that's the life insurance man. Mm-hmm. And I looked, Debbie. man, when she, yeah. when she died, man, it was $600 in that policy, man. Damn. And she probably been spent paying, you know, probably when she did it, that was a lot of money. You money, know what I'm right. And she didn't, pay, she didn't overpay for that policy over and over again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and yeah. they kept on getting us, man. So, I mean, yeah. this is, this is some good things. And uh, we just got to teach our people. Um, yeah. And uh, I, I tell you this, another, another asset that I use mm-hmm. um, that, you know, it may be a little controversial to some, but I use whole life instead of term insurance. Yeah. Yep. The reason I use whole life is it's a little bit more, but you can borrow against it, too. Exactly. So, for example, at tax free. And mm-hmm. I learned this from corporate America. Yep. These fools was putting this money in. And, and instead of when they bought a car or anything, they never went through the bank. That's they went it. through their own. They, they were the bank. They yep. just take it out. Yeah. Free. And, and, Infinite and bank. still paying the same premium. You ain't even paying more on the premium. Well, it was just like. Man, it's, it's crazy. There's a, there's a, uh, I don't want to interrupt you. I just want to interject this real quick. So there's a, there's a, a thing called infinite banking. I don't know if you're familiar with it. So no. it, infinite banking. Um, I forgot the guy's name. He wrote a book and a lot of insurance agents use it or try to sell it, but the, it's the same concept. Instead of buying the, the less expensive term life, you buy whole life, which is more expensive, which has a cash value and you're building up your cash value because you're paying more into your monthly policy. And so the whole philosophy was exactly what, what you said. So when you want a loan, you don't have to have good credit. You don't have to be approved because it's your money. So you take that loan out for your car and an infinite banking is you say, okay, if I did a a four year loan at X percent, I'm paying, I'm just making up a number $600 a month. And you would take that $600 a month and just pay, keep adding that into your policy into right. the, the, the cash portion of that policy. And so you're, you're, you're basically lending from, you know, you're basically from yourself. You're banking y- yourself and you're right. paying yourself back. So you may took 30000 out to buy the car, but you're going to put 600 back a month for four years like you were paying the car note, but it's going right back into your bank. So infinite banking, that's, that's something that these guys these do but yeah that whole i got a whole life i got a term and a whole life and, and it's funny that you mentioned it bro because we do the same thing so if i need a loan i might need to grab a couple of g's or something i'm gonna take it right out of the policy bro 
Yep. Yeah, that's the that's the way I do it, man. And yeah. I got my term life, so when it turns into uh, I, when it expires, I can transfer it to a whole life without cool. even taking another physical. Exactly. So, yeah, man. that's good stuff, man. And it's it's really yes, estate planning. It's is is part of generational wealth. I had a brother um, uh, that I knew, and he said one of the dumbest things I ever heard, man. So, um, cause I, you know, when I was at Merrill Lynch, I had to have my insurance licenses and stuff too. So we did a little bit of insurance for our clients, but, uh, this brother was telling me, he's like, man, when my son turns 18, I'm going, I'm going to stop, uh, you know, paying my life insurance. I said, bro, the life insurance is not for you, fool. It's for your family. I said, that's why you're doing it. I said, why wouldn't you want to give your son? I don't care if he's 18, 28, 38, 58, 78. Why wouldn't you want to give your son, uh, you know, the opportunity to have some assets or, you know, some capital to do something with? And I said, that's the problem with our people. Oh, man, I'm I'm dead. He was talking about I'm dead. I ain't got nothing to do. Yeah, but your family. Yeah, I said, your family. I said, damn, if you ain't got nothing else, if you don't have no assets, at least have some life insurance. My God, that's what these white folks, man. You know, my kids, they be asking me, how much life insurance you got to get there? Man, you better go ahead, man. You know, <laughs> you'll find yeah. out when the time is you'll right. You'll find out when it's time. Yeah, exactly. You know I, what I mean? I'm <laughs> telling you, man. And, it, and yeah. I, I like that one other point that you brought up, man. Is, mm-hmm. uh, and I was talking to it with my brother, man. And, we, you know, we we always, and the great thing is our conversations have turned, man. We big sports fans, but now we mm-hmm. start really turning to financial stuff. And, yeah. um and uh, I don't know if y'all listen to Earn Your Leisure, man, but they, they yeah, yeah. brothers. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Yep. And um and um they were just talking about how um, you know, we were just thinking like if we ever had grandkids or we had kids, forget all that, man. Put put all the gifts together, five thousand dollars, put in a custodial IRA account. You put five thousand dollars at one year old, when they turn mm-hmm. sixty five, that's their retirement. They don't exactly. have to even worry about retirement. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? Man, but see, it's it's about the discipline and being able to yeah, do it. Yeah, they don't know how to do it, yeah. man. As you put that, stop. I don't need to, you know, you don't have to buy this, this kid no Burberry uh, right. diapers and stuff. Like, who cares? Man, put, I'm put, telling you, bro. But that's where our focus is, is, is off of where it should be. And that's that's the whole point, man. I'm just like, we got to start being more fiscal uh, fiscal minded, you know, financially uh, responsible. Because if you start early. Just like that, five grand when they what'd you say, one year old? One year Shit. old. They yeah. turn sixty five. That's they they over a million well over a million. Isn't that they, crazy? Uh, and that's their retirement age. That's crazy, bro. Yeah, see, and that's the stuff other people are doing. Like so with my, my insurance, my life insurance, right? You know, I got I got over a million dollars in life insurance. So God forbid something happened in my house, um, uh, I got like probably maybe a couple hundred thousand, 200,000 maybe left on my house or whatever. And then, you know, my, I, and, you know, I got two policies. So I got a million dollar policy. And then I got another policy, a term policy. But um, I'm just like, you know, if something happens. I don't want my wife to have to worry about anything and my kids to have to worry about anything. Right. You know, so they, my wife needs to be able to live comfortably as she's doing now, you know, not figuring out how she's going to bury my ass. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You know, we're we going to put this fool in the backyard or something. I don't know. <laughs> so, oh, man, yeah. Tell you, man, it, it get yeah. like that, man. I, I just had, uh, 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 I, man, this is just so sad. It took a month for them to bury their mother, man. It was uh, one of my kids that uh, Damn. You know, I used to coach football with, man. And, oh, uh, man. Man, I'm like, what the heck? Scraping but, up the know, money. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Up, man, it's crazy, man. Yeah, so, that's sad. Uh, I, there was one more thing I want to tell you, man, before I go. Uh-huh. I know, but it's okay. um, don't sleep on this. I, and and believe mm-hmm. me, I can't back this up, but I see mm-hmm. it's happening. Man, okay. people are getting one percent interest per day on their savings, man. And really? <laughs> I don't. I, and I know I'm not in the crypto and all that, but I've learned right. what I mm-hmm. what I've learned, and I've seen what I've seen, and I've seen this with my own eyes, and I'm seeing it. At, People getting one percent thing on interest per day on day on this, and it's um man, I, I'm I'm don't do your own research as they say. I am not a financial whatever whatever, but it's right. this thing on thing called drip coin, and I see drip coin, yeah, drip coin, D R I P. 
he's showing me, and he's. I look at his bank thing every day. One percent every day. Damn, I gotta and, check uh, that. And let me, let me, let me keep preferences. I can't. I have not fully got into it, but I see it in my, my own eye. But okay. man, I, I've been doing my research, and I was like, how are these? Man, it's crazy how much wealth is underneath that you yeah. that people really don't know about, man. So exactly. Uh, I got yeah. Bitcoin and uh the uh there's another one um I'm I'm actually going going buy it's called Rally Coin. Uh one of my boys was telling me about, but I gotta check check out Drip. But yeah, and then the NFT craze. I got somebody coming on. I got two people coming on. Experts. I didn't even want to talk about this crap because I I'm not I'm <laughs> not now. Nah, you know what I mean? Visualize it, man. I'm yeah, the NFT it, stuff. I got I got a brother coming on in, in a couple weeks for that. Then I got uh, another brother that that's going to talk about crypto because I'm like, man, we got we got to you know we got to definitely take advantage. This NFT stuff. I don't even. Uh, I, I know what it is, non-fungible token, but tokens, I'm like, yeah. I'm like, where's no. the true value? Is it? Yeah. it I, I don't I don't see it. But just like everything, true, we, we're coming up in a world where where the 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 new leaders of the world play play video games all their life. So yeah, it's kind of uh, it's almost like a gaming system, man. Yeah, it's what I've learned I've learned is what they feel is marketable to them. What do they feel is value? Right. What we may not see, but it's what if they feel it's value. You right. Gotta it's go value. With it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, I look it's at like it. art, man. Yeah. I look yeah, at you uh, know. I look at this metaverse, man. Mm-hmm. I don't know how this happened, but uh, you can Google it. This lady is like calling a authorities because mm-hmm. she was quote unquote sexually assaulted in the metaverse. How in the hell can you come get on, man? Are you serious? I. Look it Man, up. I, <laughs> I, I don't know how that happened. That's crazy. I, I'm not saying either way. I don't know anything. It just yeah. seems a little odd to me. That's all I'm saying. I, you Damn. know, I'm saying I don't know how it happens, but that's crazy. Right. I just like that's the world we in, man. I don't. Yeah. See this, like this NFT stuff. It, it, that that's really tripping me. I kind of get the crypto. You, you know, it's a market. Right. And obviously, there's a market in NFTs, but I'm like. It's almost like back in the day, like the uh, the the what was it called? The uh, we used to say in the in the business, you know, this this investment has no legs, meaning right. like <laughs> it's not. There's no foundation to it. I'm like this NFT thing, so I'm getting uh, an individual copy of a print or whatever. Which all right, so what? What am I going to do with it? But I guess just like art, it's all subjective. So right. what makes the Mona Lisa so valuable when? You look at it. You ever seen it in person, man? You ever been Small, to the movie? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's Stop. like, all right, why is this different than some of these other great paintings out here? Or, you or know? just like when you go to the African festivals that we all have right. in New City, when they yep. have the same picture of the, you can find that same picture printed, and sometimes in everybody's living room, you know. Yeah. Yeah. How do you how do you feel good to say that you got the original? I mean, what is who care? I mean, right, exactly. And so that's what this that NFT is. So I I've been doing some, you know, watching YouTube videos and I then I got this brother like I said that's coming on supposedly an expert in NFTs and and all of this stuff and and then you got people spending hundreds of thousands of dollars for a freaking what is it? Uh, I forgot like a what is it? freaking monkey looking thing. I don't even know what it is. Yeah, like these NFTs why are they valuable? You know? A, and and then I do know this I guess when you keep reselling it, the original owner gets yeah a piece of that pie. Right. So I'm about to start an NFT, get an NFT going. <laughs> uh, yo, I need all y'all to, to buy it. Now, nah, let me stop. <laughs> you know, yeah. I might try it, though. I'm going to see what I happens. Mean, well, shoot. I, I mean, I, and it's so funny, man, because I was just talking about I take so many, you know, pictures when I'm traveling and stuff. Oh, yeah. But why not? You know. Exactly. Yeah. You got some nice, nice, beautiful photos, man. You know, but yeah, it's just, it's crazy. So I got to do some more research on that. Anybody on the call, uh, good with NFTs or crypto. Uh, if you, if you want to talk guys, just uh, hit the phone icon on the bottom, right. To join the call with you. Cause if anybody has any expertise or, or knowledge on it, man, we love to, we love to hear something. Cause, uh, I, you know, I get the crypto, you know, um, but the NFTs, I really, I don't, I don't get that. I mean, they're selling these things, man, for, 
hundreds of thousands of dollars. Some of these, you know, uh, entertainers. I think Kevin Hart just bought something, I think, for a couple hundred thousand dollars. And I'm like, this is freaking crazy, man. This is this is ridiculous. But yeah, man. So I guess and with the crypto, it's almost like you're creating uh, Donald be right with you. bro. It's almost like you're creating a, a new market. And once again, I guess something is worth whatever people are willing to pay for it. You know, <laughs> you know, so, you know, it seems to me this NFT stuff. I, I, I just don't get it. Uh, but hopefully maybe Adonis can clue us in on some of that, man. Cause I know, I know he, he he's a young boy, Belvin, you know, Adonis, <laughs> he's young. So they, they, they know all of that stuff, man. I'm old school. But <laughs> well, all right, I'm, man, let me let you okay. speak to Adonis so we can both learn something. <laughs> all right, brother. All I'll right. talk to you, man. Appreciate you. All right. All right, Adonis, you on, bro. You can hit that unmute, man. Uh-oh, we lost you. Where you at, bro? And we waiting to hear this NFT, man, and this crypto stuff. Uh-oh, I must have scared him off, man. I don't know. <laughs> All right, hold on. You coming back on, bro? All right, there we go. Let's see. Yeah. Yeah, so hit your unmute button, man. Uh, hit the mic to unmute yourself, and you can speak. All right. So... You gotta hit your uh your mic button, man, down at the bottom. There yeah, you go. um, my bad. It's yeah. um, it's been going in and out for me. Okay. So, but I'm uh I'm at the house now, so I shouldn't be able to talk. All right, cool. You gonna uh, school us, man? Uh, and what I know because I actually when I was in D.C. we had took a NFT like an hour course by a guy who sold a few NFTs. Okay. Photographers. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm still new to it, too. Don't really actually want to get into it. <laughs> uh, because he told... The guy basically explained how overrated the market is right now. Okay. Everybody is trying to get into it, just like we've seen with cryptocurrency. Like, once everybody finds out to it, like, the prices and values right. of everything changes. Yeah. How he explained it to us is basically... Uh, it is art. Look at it as art. Okay. With, uh, but digital art. Right. It's no way to comprehend its value. It's right. What society says. It's mm-hmm. basically who makes what, uh, or what, but the uniqueness of it. The ones you guys was talking about with the apes, which are like the most popular. Yeah. Yeah. NFTs, um, they have, they really was the one that really changed the market of everything. Okay. To where. If you look at most NFTs now, it's just copycats of it. Maybe instead of yeah. a cat, it's a cat, or maybe it's it's a person smoking a cigarette and the same thing. Right, it's like how arty is, and because those apes were like was selling for so much a crazy amount of money, like everybody's trying to make it because of that or do mm-hmm. different things. So there's a lot of copycats in it to where it just changes the values of a lot of things. Yeah, I've also heard too. Um. This is what I've heard, and I, I can see truth to this. If you take a celebrity who is a big name thing, because everything is a lot of this stuff is culture based, and they buy an NFT. Right. So you just say, Jay, you're a celebrity, and you say you bought this NFT for $10 million. But the thing is, what you did is you went into Photoshop, created an NFT, bought it for $10 million. So you, you, bought, you basically, somebody you know, or you created this whole thing, you bought it, you say you spent $10 million. Because as soon as you say you spent $10 million, people think of the value being $10 million at least. Now it's even that or more. Right. So somebody right. will try to come buy that from you for $20 million and you done made $10 million. It's a Damn. lot of scamming in it. Okay. Okay. Uh-oh. Yeah. Because I'm just like, man, I don't, <laughs> you know, those apes or whatever it is. I'm just like, what the heck? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, I don't know how those got big. I don't know why they're big. The guy, like, he sort of he was really explaining to us like how it works, mm-hmm. um, and just like cryptocurrency, you got like mining involved. So people, like, he was basically explaining to us you can keep your computer on, and wow. this mining is like a software that sort of like, I think it just uh activates like the currency and stuff and like that, or basically it's like servers in it if that makes any right. sense to keep the value mm-hmm. he was like you can you can have your keep your computer on which most people normally keep their computer on and mm-hmm. make a few hundred dollars a month Damn. 
just having the computer on and wow. starting a, like a mining service. Wow. Yeah. See that type of stuff. So I really, I, you know, I really want to, you know, learn more about it and uh, to be able to get in that space and, and, and do it. So just like um, Masterworks who, you know, they, they partnered with me and I did some stuff. They're selling the NFTs, Basquiat and, and all of these people. Um, and basically all it is is really an NFT. So you get to participate in having your own NFT of these famous uh, pieces of art, which to me, I, I still don't get it. You know what I mean? Like, okay, so now I have a copy of this, you know, Basquiat painting, mm-hmm. you know, digitally. Mm-hmm. What am I going to do? So what? what? I mean, what, is, what does it mean? Nothing. Right. But it's just like art. Like, what, yeah. It's right. almost like you got to look at it like art, like physically. Like, yeah. you have this actual painting. Right. Which is easier for us to wrap around because everything, I think, I mean, your whole investment base, everything is physical. Physical, Even right. Your online presence stuff is still physical. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Yeah. This is yeah. all a digital version. If you think right. about Nike is coming into NFTs. Yeah. Basically, each shoe you buy, yep. uh, depending on the shoe, it'll have a, 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 a NFT version of it yep but what that does is it sort of authenticates everything yeah so yeah. it's like all these companies getting involved you got uh people are doing nfts through the metaverse now mm-hmm. because this whole digital platform is being created is basically uh this is uh some type of art base for the digital realm yeah yeah um, it's crazy man i'm like to me like i said um having the the digital rights to whatever you know basquiat painting or whatever mm-hmm. I'm just like i i mean i can take a picture of it and, and get it blown up and put on my wall too but once again it's a marketplace and i guess that's the the difference is a that's what it is it's like yeah. Yeah, anybody can anybody can uh, <laughs> yeah i mean like, we can all go download the h <laughs> you know what i'm saying to put it as a wallpaper yeah exactly uh, <laughs> right <laughs> but it what it is is what's the actual value to owning something that's limited to a certain number right so if they exactly. only got three thousand of them yeah you got one jay <laughs> yeah it might be sitting on 12 million dollars yeah they only made the authentic version of that while we all got replicas yeah so it's a wallpaper to us but it's something that's like creating that's, that's that's like creating money out of thin air man that that's Literally. all this is i'm telling you when i was in the course because <laughs> it was cut my buddies wanted to go because they like being a photographer in general, it's basically another income you can make money off of. Mm-hmm. And right. I, I definitely understood the course. I wish I was at the wedding course. <laughs> I was right, right. <laughs> My buddies wanted to go to the NFT because he's been trying to get into it. Right. And the guy, the way the guy was explaining, he's he sold like a few for a few grand a piece. This guy actually makes uh, you know, like Barbie dolls. Yeah. But they're more realistic. And and he showed us the stuff. It looked like actual humans. Wow. So he was making these things and he decided to turn them into NFTs. Wow. And he actually has he, he said the thing is you gotta know your audience. Right. This is not gonna he was like, You ain't you ain't gonna compare this to the ape stuff. Everybody and their mama knows about the ape stuff NFTs. Right. Right. But it's right. an audience for this. And right. he's made a few grand off of it. That's what's up. I'm but looking at uh-huh. I'm looking at this stuff right now. They're talking about the latest NFT crazes here beans they got these beans that w- wearing hats they almost look like m&ms so yeah it's called it's beans. Gonna be, it's gonna be some of the goofiest stuff i mean we, we he, he took us on three or four different websites on this powerpoint mm-hmm. and almost each website had over like seven million different images yeah of tees yeah and you'll see Mage pages is everything copying somebody else. It's right. All because this one sold $10 million, I'm going to make this type of version of this. Right. Exactly. So he was like, that's where the market is oversaturated. Mm-hmm. I think how I look at it, and especially you being who you are, an investor and stuff, mm-hmm. I wouldn't look at it as trying to be a creator. I would look right. at it and be trying to be an in- investor. investor to a product. Gotcha. Yes. Because gotcha. if you being a creator, you just, you're going to be one of a million. Yeah. But nah, if you that's, look at that's it more from the investment standpoint, then it is something that can add another source of your income. It's literally art. So yeah. it would be like if you was into art, that's what the NFT is. Because you see all these big companies now mm-hmm. are making NFT versions of stuff. And right. that stuff just gonna drive up dollars and stuff. So I will look at it more from that standpoint. That's a good point. 
than uh, actually trying to start an NFT, create this whole thing. Because I heard it's also the guy was telling us it's a whole process. You got to have insurance for this stuff. You got to have mm. authorization because you can create something. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I can create something, sell it for three hundred thousand dollars. And then people will say it'd be a copyright thing, some type of gotcha. infringement, things like that. They said that's one of the biggest things in NFTs, too. This stuff okay. sales and then people are suing for this, this and this. Right. Say, you have the authorization to sell it for that point. Or people say it was almost like people are trying to drive with the prices for stuff. Right. Somebody buy it and say, hey, that wasn't the right value and sue you for it. Mm-hmm. It's all type of this whole world is new. Damn. People, it's so much scamming into it. Right. So even if you feel like you've done something right, somebody can still try to come in and, and take all your monies and stuff from it. Damn. Yeah, the tools was like, man, I do not want to get into it now. Like, really? Yeah, like, that's wild, like man. You got to look at this. People don't look at that. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, that's crazy, man. That is crazy. But yeah, bro, I appreciate the uh, uh, basically being able to, to to break that down a little bit because I'm telling you, man, this is. <laughs> This is insane right here, but I definitely got to get on it and start, like you said, even looking to be a um, an investor. An investor yeah. yeah, that's my whole that thing. Out. Like I said, me being in that course, like I said, I only want to care for it anyway because um, I'm still more on the physical aspect in investments, which I think everybody on here is. Yeah, as well, I mean, what we speak on, this is more of a new world. I mean, I think it'd be mm-hmm. it, it, it's the transition of you know how the the country went into the uh, oil industry in the last few hundred years. Mm-hmm. And now everything is going electric. That's what this is going yeah. to <laughs> Right, right. Yeah. Um, but it got to regulate itself. It's going to be probably, it's going to be some years before you probably had to get a good grasp of understanding of everything because everything is just so no. Right, right. So. Yeah. I appreciate it, man. So, all right, guys, we got any more questions before we, we shut it on down? We good, but I appreciate all the input, Belvin, uh, Frank, and Adonis. I really appreciate that, guys. Uh, we're about to close it on down, guys. Make sure you check out Speaking of Asset Classes next week, next Monday the 14th, uh, Dedrick and Crystal Polite from the A&E show 50-50 Flip. Make sure you can check that out. And uh, excellent show. My wife and I watched watched both of the first two episodes, and they're going to really talk about how to build generational wealth through real estate. All right, guys, that's it. I will see you guys later. Guys, have a good one. Peace.